Welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change. Through this podcast, speaking and coaching, we focus on our personal work as parents, the awareness, intention, and approach needed to raise amazing humans while we also get some shit done. Join us to radically redefine kids' resistance as an opportunity to nurture skills and values like consent, nonviolent communication, emotional intelligence, body positivity, and respect. We attempt this by practicing powers beyond control, evidence-based tools that protect our kids' personal freedoms, support their skill building, and better align with how we roll as people. To us, this is the practice of parenting, when we can choose trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection. We're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. After this brief intro, you'll hear the audio from our latest live Instagram Q&A. Our live sessions are so much fun. We basically Mm -hmm. show up and connect, commiserate, and build skills alongside our upbringing community. Folks write in ahead of time or chime in with questions and struggles around kids' big feelings and challenging behaviors. We typically explore five to 15 questions and offer our take, our instincts, our goals, helpful phrasing, and ways to parent with alignment and integrity using our resist approach. Thank you for being here and for supporting us. And if you'd like to give your family and upbringing some extra support, please visit our website at upbringing.co to learn about our upcoming membership community, as well as our shop, which is now full of informative guides and inspiring prints based on everything we've shared here on the podcast these past two years. Wow. Two years. (laughs) Thanks for growing up alongside us one conversation at a time. Here we go. Hey everyone, Hello. I'm Hannah. This is Kelty. We're upbringing. Uh, we're here this weekend, live Q and A. Our mm-hmm. usual thing, talking about the spirited kids, the sensitive kids, the spirited and sensitive adults who are raising those kids. Mm-hmm. How do we get through the day? How do we get shit done? How mm-hmm. do we practice powers beyond control and our discipline in those hard <sighs> moments that yeah. we just want to fucking control our kids? We're like, please just do what I say, or else this, or I'm gonna do it. this, or please stop doing that because. You're hurting the cat or your baby sibling or my ears or um, or it means something about who you're going to become. Yeah, society's expectations mm-hmm. heavy, heavy <laughs> on our shoulders, We're right? We're here to support you. Upbringing is this community that says we can do this. We can raise a generation of kids in a way that doesn't involve domination, doesn't involve control, that actually involves respect and connection. And not just for like woo-woo reasons, but for like real social change reasons. Not just for our family so that we can love one another and get through the day, mm-hmm. but also for that that future self of us, of our family, of our child, and of mm-hmm. our greater society. Yeah, and more specifically, it's about getting rid of those white patriarchal tools that we don't believe in, right? And recognizing and growing our awareness around the ways that using those things like consequences on my terms now threats, rewards, overpower, lectures, shame, blame, spanking, timeouts, all of those things that come so naturally to all of us in those moments of conflict (laughs) to quote unquote teach our kids are a bunch of racist bullshit that we don't need to be using. So that's our goal is to just be like, what else can we do then? How do we socialize these these little people? How do we grow up ourselves alongside (gasps) them? How do we stay connected 
through the melee, Mm -hmm. turn it into some magic. Right. We like to call it awareness, intention, and approach. Mm -hmm. Awareness. Oh my God, what are my beliefs? I'm going to dismantle those and create some new ones. Intention. Wow. What is my intention in engaging and seeing my child in this way? Who are they? They're spirited. They're sensitive. They're different. Wow. Mm -hmm. And then my approach. How do my, my child and I connect in moments of conflict when their needs are at odds with our needs, when their skills are at odds with our skills? Yeah. That's that kind of three-prong approach. And we also go through it in our resist approach, which you can download on our website at upbringing.co. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, one more day for those of you tuning in in the last couple on our Right From The Start Baby course to sign up and enroll for this eight-week class. You can be doing at your own speed, watching these short little videos about getting on the right page with mm-hmm. your baby under a year, whether it's your first or fifth. So check that out in our link in bio. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a fun group, I think. I'm, I'm excited. excited. Yeah. Um, and also a little shout out that we've opened August enrollment for our Spirited Kids Club, yes. which is just small group coaching, eight people chatting with us once Doing a week for four weeks. Way more in depth. Yeah, in depth. What are the issues? What are the struggles? What are the challenges that keep popping up with these super stubborn, strong-willed, insistent, persistent, resistant, infuriating mm-hmm. little spirits? Right. All the things that come up on our live Q&As that we want to dive in more mm-hmm. in depth with everybody. So around hygiene, around... Um, bedtime, around eating, around sibling um, treatment, around big feelings, challenging behaviors, mischief, you know, and and also Mm -hmm. for those sensitive kids that the self-talk, the self-harm, the anxiety, those types of things. So figuring out who our kid is, how can we serve them best? And how can we also serve ourselves in those moments? Because we're an important part of the equation, right? Mm -hmm. So um, type in what's going on for you. That's what we love in these live Q&As. We have been getting so many DMs. I wanted to get through a couple of those here as you are typing in what's happening for you for us to pull up and discuss. I think today's going to be a little bit of a shorter episode. (sighs) Let's see. Yeah. But we've got got some stuff going on. Mm -hmm. We're so grateful for these vulnerable shares, whether here live in the moment or those of you writing in or those of you who've DM'd us been like, help, this is killing me. This I'm so worried about this or I'm so stressed out about my child or we're at our wits end. What can we be doing? Mm -hmm. Right? Right. So someone wrote, uh, hello, Helen and Kelty. I'd love to hear your thoughts on how parents and kids, different personality types play into respectful parenting. Specifically, I often find myself analyzing interactions in life through the lenses of the Enneagram and Gretchen Rubin's four tendencies. What are our thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I love the Enneagram and the four tendencies uh, compared to um, diagnoses for Mm -hmm. our kids and for ourselves, right? I think a lot of kids who, especially who are sensitive and spirited, get labeled, you know, ADHD, ADD, oppositional defiant disorder, ODD, Mm -hmm. a lot of these diagnoses, which can really help them, SPD, sensory processing disorder. It brings them attention and And support, support, right? And it helps us as parents realize, okay, there's nothing wrong with them. They're just different. They're on a spectrum, right? How can I see to their unique needs? And I think that this parent is identifying other ways that we can see our, to our kids' unique needs and see them as essentially separate from us. Mm-hmm. I think we're always like, oh, we have these kids or we're raising these kids. The nature and nurture should mean that they turn out exactly like us, that they have mm-hmm. the same spirit, that they have the same nervous system, that they respond the same to the world, that they experience it the same. Mm-hmm. And that's not true. And that's what's cool yeah. about things like the Enneagram or Gretchen Rubin's the author 
um, who did the Four Tendencies. She's done like the Happiness Habits book, like so many other cool things. But basically just building awareness around the fact that there are lots of personality types, that there are lots of temperaments, Mm -hmm. that there are lots of of nervous system needs. And just recognizing our child as as not something necessarily diagnosable or putting in a box. We talk about this often with spirited kids too. We don't want to judge them or label them. We don't want to label them spirited in in a negative way, but only in a way to remind us that we want to be nurturing and honoring that spirit, Mm -hmm. right? In the same way with with those types of personality classifications is saying, I want to get to know them. Mm -hmm. I want to look at the child, the baby, the person in front of me and say, not me. Let's figure out who they are, whether right. they fit in one of those classifications or not. So using yeah. using Enneagram, all of those types of things as a way, a vehicle to explore and learn and understand mm-hmm. our children as the unique people that they are, not to like box them into something or say, wait a second, you're a INFJQP. Um, you can't I be saying you were a Gretchen's that. rebel right. and you're just going along with this. What's wrong with you? Right. So um, that was a great question though. Um, Here's another one. My nearly four-year-old is obsessed with picking up her younger brother, who's 14 months old, usually just coming up from behind, grabbing him and either lifting him into the air or pulling him backwards onto herself in a bear hug. It's always done in a quite a loving way to cuddle him or sometimes to help him up or down from a place, but he hates it. And we're going crazy from asking her to give her brother some space over and over. So you're asking. Mm-hmm. We've tried asking her to come around the front to interact with him so he can see her coming, narrating for him when he starts making noises or faces that show he doesn't like it, physically trying to stop her and make her let go. She does the same thing with some younger two-year-olds at daycare too, mm-hmm. and has been bitten by them a few times because of it. We've been That's so great. big on consent and body autonomy for her whole life. How do we try and encourage her to do the same with other children? And yes, we've been reading to her in a great book called C is for Consent. So. Damn, Sophie, you're doing it all. (laughs) Oh my gosh. First of all, we always love to normalize a four-year-old picking up a baby, trying to use their body in a way, getting a little too close with the cat and squeezing too hard with friends. And I like, I also want to normalize this very well-meaning four-year-old who's trying to do it to love, to help, to do these things. And the four-year-olds who are trying to hurt, who Mm -hmm. are experimenting, who are pushing the edges. All of it's okay. All of it's okay. And we usually go about it the exact same way. Right. And I think, Sophie, that's what you're doing. You're going about it in a way that is trying to be neutral. It's trying to understand Mm -hmm. and say, this is normal for you to be doing, but we don't want you to do it. So how am I going to intervene in a way that's Mm -hmm. respectful? You're building uh, awareness and information. Mm -hmm. You're you're giving tips and and kind of um, redirecting and saying, can you look and approach the other way? Mm -hmm. You're um, noticing and perspective taking. Mm -hmm. How's his face looking? It seems like he doesn't like that. Right. Mm -hmm. And then also she's getting a lot of input, not just from you as her parents, but from other kids Mm -hmm. who bite her. All of it's really, really good. It's all information. Go ahead. And I think it's just, it's awesome. Just even considering these consent conversations with a four-year-old, a lot of us don't come up with the idea of consent until we read a post about it. And then we're like, oh yeah, you don't have to hug grandma or kiss grandma. And we don't think about consent in terms of touching another person's body, period, Mm -hmm. at all. And I love this perspective and I love bringing this up in this video and episode so people can be thinking, every time we touch our kids' bodies, we are beginning a conversation about consent. We're conditioning them to believe that they can experience someone touching Mm -hmm. their bodies a certain way and that they could touch someone else's bodies a particular way. So this is not just about making sure our kids know they can't touch another kid without their consent, but bringing ourselves into that conversation and that growing awareness of how are we connecting with our kid physically through hair brushing, through teeth brushing, Mm -hmm. through baths, 
through showers, through diaper wiping, through potty mm-hmm. training, through helping them into the car, mm-hmm. through putting up a boundary when mm-hmm. we have to. Right. What and do those look like within the topic I of I love that. That might be informing that mm-hmm. uh, urge, which is so developmentally normal regardless of how we're treating their body. I think it's very normal for them to just mm-hmm. be, be unable to resist the impulse to move a child or to do something mm-hmm. or to help, right? I also think another way we can support is through how we treat the younger child's body. Mm-hmm. So our four-year-old is watching how we treat our mm-hmm. our 14 month old and if we're just constantly picking them up with no uh warning Mm -hmm. then it's showing the four-year-old that they can pick up that 14 month old with no Mm -hmm. warning too so i think we she you know puts us in check in that way of saying how am i treating this younger child is my child older child doing that as well Mm -hmm. gotta kind of be careful about that just reminds us of our power and in in our influence as parents to be thinking i can be modeling with my older child what consent-based practices look like not just them. showing, and but yeah. verbalizing it too. Well, it's your body, so you know what's best. Or I'm going to have to help your body. I know you didn't give me consent, but I need to help you away from that road right. or whatever it is. Right. And then we can be modeling it to our younger kid in front of our older kid. Now I'm going to put the wipe on your bottom. Okay, are you ready? Now I'm going to wipe your bottom. Or I know you need to, to get picked up right now. You don't want to, but I'm going to have to move your body. I am so sorry you didn't yeah. give me consent. And then between them, when the older one is all mm-hmm. over the younger one, right. I'm not sure he gave consent to pick his body up. You really want to move it. And I'm hearing, like this parent said, I'm hearing him making some gurgling noises. That tells me he maybe he's not him. into it. What do you think? Right. right. I'm going to help you stop. So we're not mm-hmm. going to challenge our four-year-olds, which is so great. Or so ask them, you know, mm-hmm. like you're going to say, I'm going to help you set him down because he didn't ask you to pick him up. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's very simple that we can communicate mm-hmm. and say, he didn't ask you to pick him up. So I'm going to help separate you two. Do you want to ask him? A four-year-old mm-hmm. can ask, right? Mm-hmm. So I think we can also just start building that relationship with them of saying, you have to ask. I think you're going to pick somebody up. I think if we're, it's so interesting this parent brought this up because if they're so conscious about consent, they're thinking, I'm going to be slower getting in there to separate my older and younger child too for that exact same reason. But sometimes we got to get in there on the four-year-old and show them that boundary, right? right? And say, you want to pick him up and I'm going to help your body away. And that's part of the the understanding and the learning that our kids need is through our words, Mm -hmm. right? And through experience, like getting bitten by another Mm -hmm. child that they're picking up, right? But they also learn by us inhibiting their impulses over and over again. Physically. So if physically, Mm -hmm. if your four-year-old daughter continues to try and pick up your 14-month-old, if you can be there as often as possible to inhibit the impulse to where she goes to start, even just invest say, I'm going to do three days of where I am on them. You, you could know? say, so being there a little bit closer physically and getting ready to get in there a little sooner. Right. So this I would goes say, the same with hitting mm-hmm. and hurting one another as well. Mm-hmm. If we can inhibit the impulse that siblings have, right, to help each other or to lash out, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if it's something we don't want to yeah. be continuing. And I think often people say, but I'm trying to be respectful. I'm trying to give them a chance. So I ask them and I say, don't do that or please don't do Could that. Or, stop? And then it becomes, right. don't do that. Don't do that. And after a certain point, we're sort of daring our kids to defy us or push back or whatever it is. So I would say when I see the arms start going around or I see them getting a little close, same goes with a cat, with an infant, with a breakable object. It doesn't even matter what it is. Dive in there and say, oh, I see you getting in there. Oh, I'm going to make a pause really just, quick. I'm going to pause Let's stop really one quick. second. Or, what are you needing? What are you wanting to do mm-hmm. here? And then she can fill me in. We're still saying the, the urge, the impulse you have for your old is great. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to I'm gonna help you to, to pause. We're not going in saying no, 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 right. no. Which I saw so much at the park this morning. I was like, oh my gosh, these kids are hearing no. And their own name yelled 
more than they're hearing anything else right on a playground yeah and it's so natural for us to go in okay we're like we're going in or now i've reached my limit and i have to stop 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 wait wait stop 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 no 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 wait 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 as opposed to trying to convey yes Mm -hmm. you wanted to do this here's your impulse i validate that i'm all about Mm -hmm. you wanting to squeeze this cat to death or pick up this sharp object or or dangle your sister over the edge of whatever right I think it's also, it's a privilege thing too. Mm -hmm. Like it takes a lot uh, to be able to be close enough to our kids constantly to intervene and really recondition the impulses that they have, right? Mm -hmm. And so if and when we can do that, great. Otherwise it's like, what can we do? Maybe keep the cat out of the room when we can't be there to supervise and to recondition that impulse. What can we do when the kids are there? You know, or can we be uh, turned the other way where we're prepping vegetables so we can see this stuff happening? Mm -hmm. It all depends on what our our capabilities are and what our investment is personally in helping guide this through to another place. And then the rest, we just have to trust and know that it's going to be okay. She's not going to be bullying her younger brother and over dominating his body. If we're doing the work as often as we can to treat her body with respect, to treat his body with respect. Mm To, to intervene when we can lovingly, it's gonna be okay. Yeah, and yeah. I think we talk about this often in our Right From The Start baby course, which you can check out, link in bio, and enrollment is closing tomorrow, so yeah. check it out. But beyond our physical presence and beyond our modeling outside the moment with each of our kids, how can we be setting an environment up for success in terms of play between siblings, right. whether they're 14 months and four, <clears throat> or whether they're four and eight, whatever it is, how can we be working outside the moment to think, it's around this time of day, they tend to get a little in there together. Or a more physical. When it's the Legos, it's like the other one should just be in the other room. and Or I need the, their help in the kitchen to keep them away. How can we be thinking outside the moment instead of, that was so terrible, I'm never going to bring that up. Or I can't mm-hmm. think about that right now because it makes me suffer. Instead of doing that, kind of leaning in confidently and thinking, how can I problem solve the environment? How can I problem solve the timing of the day? How can I problem solve bringing them in to be involved in other things? Rather than putting more pressure on the child to inhibit their natural impulses. How can I put up baby gates? How can I... I just ultimately, to wrap this up, I think it's so great that this parent is saying, I don't want to add negative energy to this interaction. It already feels troublesome enough to me. And so I want to make sure I'm approaching it so chill and so skilled so that I don't challenge my child to recreate it. And we have another kind of uh, question coming up yeah. next that says that. And someone mentioned here, they have a lot of concern around doing this with medical procedures, like mm-hmm. breaking consent with our kids when medical procedures have to happen. And and again, like that, that's a little bit different than what we're talking about here. And we could do a whole thing on mm-hmm. medical procedures, but it, it follows the same respect and resist approach kind of that we have available mm-hmm. and freedoms model, right? That our kids' bodies are theirs that we want to give them information, we want to give them agency, we want to give them time to process, mm-hmm. we want to give them the, the ability to say no. Right? And we want to make any time that we have to get in there closer or have to help them or have to intervene with their bodies, try to make it a conversation mm-hmm. beforehand and during and then again after the process. Right. You know, We can be talking about doctor's appointments. Sometimes things happen in your body in a doctor's appointment. It's not like home. Sometimes things have to happen there. It's hard mm-hmm. knowing that at the doctor, 
sometimes things have to happen, but we can always understand why. We can ask questions, right? We're going to help our kids become conscientious consumers of medicine. Self-advocates. Right. Who say, excuse me, why do I need that test? Or why do I have to take my underwear off for this? nurse, could you wait two minutes for us to be ready? Mm -hmm. Right. We're advocating for our kids in these medical situations that helps them learn to advocate for themselves as well. Mm -hmm. Right. Even when they eventually have to maybe get that shot or they have to Mm -hmm. eventually step on the scale or do any of those Mm -hmm. things. We know, is this a must? Mm -hmm. When is it a must? How is it a must? And we get to advocate and help build that awareness for our kids, Mm -hmm. build that, that nurture, that inner wisdom and authority. And then those moments that we do break consent, whether it's giving them a a shot that they have to have, or it's yanking them off the road where they were running or their sibling or um, stopping their hand or taking away something sharp or um, folding them into the car because it's a must and it's got to happen and we're so late and we've run through every way we we can and getting them there and it's not working, we can always bring it up later. We can always say not next time I need you to comply and be obedient. That's not a circle back. And here's why that had to happen again, but I am so sorry that that happened. I am so sorry I had to touch your body or move your body or break consent with you. I'm sorry. How was that for you? Tell me about it. I want to hear about it. This is a safe space for you to process this, right? right? I'm not going to go into defending myself and getting all fragile about it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hold space for your anger, for your outrage, for mm-hmm. your sadness, for your resentment, for your resentment, for mm-hmm. any of those things. Oh my gosh. When my, um, almost a year ago, my daughter split her nose open, hey, like Jen. wide open and had to get a shot in her leg to basically like put her semi under to be able to get it all stitched up. Right, and, it took us, and it took us like seven hours to get her yeah. to consent to the shot. And she still didn't consent until the moment the needle went in. She goes, okay, fine, as the needle went in. And we spent weeks, months processing how that went down and why it needed to happen, what it felt like. And she was like six when this happened. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a process, but it's worth it. Mm-hmm. It's created so many cool conversations of other ways that can happen in our lives, in our yeah. bodies, in medical situations. You know, it's, it's created so much growth and connection for, from this terrible incident that mm-hmm. like it was, I had nightmares from it. To terrible. realize that even in those moments when we're powerless and maybe our consent is being broken for us, mm-hmm. that we can still find a way to feel agency in our lives mm-hmm. or to process and heal from that situation. Yeah. I think a lot about birth stories when mm-hmm. we're talking about consent with our kids and doing these things mm-hmm. to them that a lot of us and a lot of women in our community are still dealing with the trauma mm-hmm. of of a, a birth experience that w- went totally sideways and mm-hmm. didn't go the way they want. Yeah. Someone gave them an episiotomy they didn't want. Yeah. Someone did something else they didn't want. Or just, and that is so hard. Or so many other traumas that women go through, yeah. you know, just through sexual assault, through mm-hmm. micro traumas, through things on their bodies that they don't necessarily have someone to process with. And hopefully that gives us, as we're kind of creating normalcy and openness and love around these hard conversations with that kid, with our kids, hopefully that's giving us permission too to find someone that we can trust to say, oh, this thing happened when I was seven or when mm-hmm. I was 14, this dude did this and that sucked and mm-hmm. I wasn't okay with that. And cry a little bit and get mad. Yeah. Right? Especially when consent happens, it's mm-hmm. about our bodies and everything gets stored in the body, right? Body keeps the score, mm-hmm. but especially those body things happen 
And we have to talk about them. We have to feel a sense of safety and security and moving through the trauma, which to our kids, we're like, this is just a stupid diaper change or a stupid shot or it's no big deal. Let's mm-hmm. we'll swoop it under the rug. They're not going to remember it, but it gets stored in their bodies. But that's, that's literally what the, yeah. the plastic surgeon told me. She's not going to remember. She won't. Re- we do the surgeries like this every time with the same shots. She won't remember anything. And I said, my daughter will remember. And her body will. And, her, and if she doesn't, which she did, she actually remembers the entire thing. Yeah. Her body will remember it. Her body will store it if we're not there to process that stuff with yeah. them. So, so if goals. Whether, whether it's a medical <laughs> procedure that we're worried about consent with our child or a diaper situation that's perpetual and, and really struggly, mm-hmm. whether it's a hygiene situation we've decided Sibling. is a must, mm-hmm. whether it's hitting a sibling and we're breaking them up and having to be a little bit stronger with their bodies in the moment to keep everybody safe, mm-hmm. we can process all of that later to help them move through mm-hmm. not just the emotions and the needs of that moment, mm-hmm. but the trauma of having been handled physically in a tough way, right? Yeah. You can always talk about it. It's okay. It's good to talk about it after. Yeah. What's the next Q&A? Next <clears throat> Q&A. Type anything that's going on for you all. We've got a bunch of DMs that we're trying <clears throat> to make our way through as well. Yeah. your, bo- your Someone asked how your body remembers and your mm-hmm. nervous system remembers. It stores stress in the body. So it experiences something and your brain processes it as best as it can. It has a stress response. And then if the body doesn't process that stress, through laughing, through exercise, through crying, through journaling, through therapy and talking, through connection, then a lot of that stress gets stored in the body, right? Yeah. And this is is part of our mission in dismantling traditional and conventional discipline. Because every time we conventionally discipline our kids, it's a micro trauma. Mm -hmm. Every time we say, don't tell me that, don't whine, don't talk, don't share, don't be you, don't process what you need. We're shutting down our kids' processing. We're shutting down their authentic voice, their needs themselves. And so that's so much about what we're doing in rewriting what discipline can be is to teach through other methods that don't squash our kids' inner wisdom and authority, that don't push down disagreements, but that really seek to get two people's needs met in an authentic, open, loving positive environment that can create growth instead of inhibit it, right? Right. Our discipline and the discipline we talk about through our resist approach and work through with with folks in our Spirited Kids Club and the Right From The Start course is about creating security through tough moments, which they're going to have the rest of their lives. And it's, it's finding ways to cue and condition them in their bodies, not just their minds, but their bodies, which all of us, and especially children, are more connected to. Before they have the brain built, the body is their brain. That's how they learn and experience the world, right? And process the world is through their bodies. And so we have the opportunity to create security with how we deal with this rather than insecurity, right? Mm -hmm. We can allow them in challenging moments when they're resisting stuff, when we're yelling, when Mm -hmm. we have at odds, right? We can say that you can integrate that stress and move through the stress Mm -hmm. rather than push it down rather than pretend it's not there. Mm -hmm. That's how we're generations and generations of adults who were raised with the push it down, pretend it's not there, you should feel shitty for your needs, you shouldn't have said that, you shouldn't have done that. We all store that stress in our bodies. We aren't given coping strategies, right? Mm -hmm. We're given, we eventually adopt coping mechanisms. So we eventually drink, we distract ourselves basically from the stress in our bodies. We don't know how to deal with that stress because we Mm -hmm. weren't taught with our parents. So we look outside for screens, for gambling, for relationships, 
for um, for food or drink mm-hmm. that can calm our nervous systems because our nervous systems weren't calmed by our parents in those moments when they, we needed them. Yeah. And so that's what this, this loving discipline we're talking about is, is saying, how can we help calm our kids' nervous systems rather than punish their nervous systems? Yeah. But that asks us to look beyond the behaviors. Yeah. Look beyond the mean words. Look beyond everything that's triggering us so much and say, there's a need there. There's a stress there. Right? And true learning comes from creating safety, security, positive associations, and a feeling of normalization within that. It's mm-hmm. backwards. It's so. It is. Someone says, wow. Wow. It's like, such well, a yeah. turnaround to how we were all raised in conventional thinking, but there's so much research out there now, which is amazing that shows the ways that kids learn best. And it's without shame, and it's without blame, and it's without punishments. Mm-hmm. Right? It's with connection yeah. instead of correction, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's the basis of all of this, what we all needed, what we're trying to give ourselves, mm-hmm. what we're trying to give one another, connection over correction. That's how we learn. That's how we grow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Someone else said, our almost six-year-old son has a tricky relationship with my husband. They are so, I love the word tricky, first of all. We use it all they the time. They are so <laughs> great together when it comes to projects, biking adventures, work around the house. But when there is a moment of conflict, it all falls apart. I've been doing this respectful parenting work from the start and my husband tries as I give him advice, but it doesn't come naturally to him and he can't remember to use it in hard moments. Mm -hmm. One thing that comes up almost daily is that our son will hit him in the thigh, stomach, or anywhere he can reach if anything happens that he doesn't like. Like dysregulation, I would assume. Mm -hmm. And then in parentheses, my husband comes into the bathroom when he's brushing his teeth. I guess he doesn't like that. Mm -hmm. Um, A game ended and he was unhappy with that. He accidentally breaks a Lego, etc. How can I help this relationship? Oh, mm. I love that. <clears throat> so I would first want to help the child. Always want to help the child first. Um, and say, how can I process with this child that this adult is treating him differently than the way I am? And we're not giving dad a pass. We're not saying, oh, it's okay. He he's yells and gets mad. Just saying he's learning. He's growing up too. He's figuring out things. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about what happened earlier? Right? Yeah. We can't always be there in the moment. Right. I love how the, the question opens up with this very common misconception I think all of us had going into parenting, which was, we're just going to ride bikes and clean up the house <laughs> and spend quality time and just women. be parents. Read books. That's it, right? That's mm. our job is just tote them along with us and move through the normal movements of the day and do fun stuff and feel cuddly and connected. Mm. And then we all became parents and we were like, what the fuck? Like nobody told us that this would be so hard. Nobody told us that we would hate our kids, that we would want to scream at them or hurt them. Nobody told us we would be so hijacked. And that's what, and exhausted. That's what it sounds like this dad is so mm-hmm. naturally like all of us. Even though he knows that his kid probably is always doing his best. And, is, and, and is, go ahead. Oh, and no. is sensitive. This kid sounds yeah. very sensitive. Yeah. He, this is like a classic sensitive spirited kid dynamic gets mm-hmm. frustrated and then about a Lego. Oh my God, the Lego won't mm-hmm. go together. I'm going to rage on somebody. That is mm-hmm. classic sensitive yeah, but spirited even kid. If the, even if the, I'm, I'm saying, I, even, you know, you're looking at me brushing my teeth and I didn't want you to come in here. You didn't get, you know, tell me I have privacy, right? This is a sensitive child. Yeah. Even if this, this dad knows how sensitive his child right. is and has accepted it, He's his still own hijacked. sensitivities yeah. are at play as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think it makes me think about our, our co, um, 
producer of the Right From The Start course, Jen Lumenlin of Your Parenting Mojo, has mm-hmm. this Tame Your Triggers workshop, and we recommend it to everyone yeah. who really struggles in the moment. Even when they cognitively understand what a kid can do, should do, can't do right. reasonably, that their brain is under construction, that they need support and a loving environment to control their impulses, that they need unconditional love, positive associations. Everyone struggles with actually getting into that in the moment, managing their own nervous system in the moment. Right. And so we don't know if, if your husband, mm-hmm. this woman's husband, has those beliefs already mm-hmm. or if they're like in that kind of where they're like we're supposed to do this but like they really like struggle it, it, it's there's so many things at play mm-hmm. i'm also thinking of the book how not to lose your shit with your kids by carla not now bomb i think mm-hmm. it is just how not to lose your shit with your kids is a great book because it talks about all the things at play with our upbringing with our beliefs mm-hmm. with our attention to multitask mm-hmm. with our screen use with our self-care all these things that make it really hard for us to have the capacity to show up for our kids when they're punching in the balls right it's really really hard um and i think also i mean there are just so many things at play and i think it's wonderful that this parent is concerned about her son process that with him outside the moment right but she's also worried about the relationship that her son is having with his dad he's six years old his dad Mm -hmm. is doing the best he can and in those moments when challenge happens what does he do what does she do how Mm -hmm. does how does she keep this relationship going I think that we did a podcast episode called Caregiver Clashes. You can search on our website or through Apple Podcasts where we talk about, okay, that moment where you're feeling like this is becoming a point of crisis where I'm like, this is not flying, whether it's with a caregiver, um, a mother-in-law, a partner, whatever it is. And you get to that point where you're like, this is feeling bad. This is feeling like something must change. Right. So what can we do in that moment? And there's a whole spectrum of things that we sort of bring up from just casual suggestions, which it seems like you've done and modeling and those things to getting in there directly (laughs) and overtaking a situation repeatedly to more direct conversations with with your uh, partner, whomever it is to say, hey, I think we're doing things differently. So how how open are you to feedback? Right. Or I really struggle in those moments when my son's hitting me. How are you doing? I've noticed that you lose your shit. Mm-hmm. What can we do about this? Right. All the way to yeah. therapy, to therapy, mediation, getting on the same page in a real way. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. I think, I think it's like, it's not going to happen overnight. Just like a lot of us were screaming at our kids and now we're like doing way better. It's mm-hmm. a long progress pro- practice. We always say progress over perfection yeah. um, to really, not just as we support our kids, but to mm-hmm. reroute and and really um, kind of recondition our own nervous systems, not just our cognitive beliefs that what our kid's doing is totally normal and it's developmental and it can get better, but to reprogram our bodies. Talk about Mm -hmm. stress stored in the body that gets triggered Mm -hmm. when we get punched by our kids. Our own trauma is is wanting to get out. Mm -hmm. And I think so much about, like you said, Kelty, is getting this partner some support, Mm -hmm. however works for them whether it's with you, whether it's on their own, to process that shit. We would love right? to have him in our Spirited Kids Club. Yeah. We, we only have a handful of men, and it's, yeah. um, it's pretty awesome getting to confront that. I think it's like a dual process, Hannah. Yeah. It's like you're working your approach. You're thinking about your intentions. You're focusing on your, your beliefs, mm-hmm. you know, and you're thinking about your body and the way that you process stress. Mm-hmm. But so much of it always goes back to beliefs. Mm-hmm. We're, we are way less likely to unleash on our kids or get mad at our kids or storm off on our kids. One, when we're self-cared. Mm-hmm. So when we're not that stressed ourselves, when we've gotten a little time away, when we've got, when gotten, we're not, we don't have a bunch of things we're trying to do at the same time. Things aren't piling up, right? That's right. the first thing. And then the second thing is when we've been working on our beliefs. So maybe he's seen, um, you know, maybe this, this partner has seen 
um, this woman be practicing respectful parenting from the start, be getting in there and doing all the things what's ideal. But maybe yeah. he still they still haven't had frank conversations around beliefs mm-hmm. that our kids have every right to resist us. That a kid who hits and yells is dysregulated and their nervous system needs help calming down. Right. Maybe some fundamentals mm-hmm. need to just get reviewed in a real talk. Yeah. You know? With, with them or with us or yeah. with somebody else just to be like, let's get on the same page with this. Yeah. Right? But I think that if, if your partner is really struggling in the moment when your child, the six-year-old, is hitting them, mm-hmm. I would say when this happens, if I'm home, literally just walk out of the room because so it's, better, plan with your it's better for the partner to just leave than to try mm-hmm. and stay with the skills that they have being triggered to try and deal with it and eventually just explode. Yeah, so you right? would say, okay, yeah. honey, so I've noticed when our son hits yeah. you, sometimes it doesn't go that well. It might escalate things. It, I'm feeling uncomfortable yeah. about it. I don't feel like it's ideal. I want to be working with you about conversations around beliefs and other things. Yeah. What if we try when that happens in the moment, if I'm there, I really just tap you out. Right. And I come and put my hand on your shoulder and you try to take a deep breath he and can't turn and practice walk away. that skill stuff if he's dysregulated too yeah so he has to find ways to calm his nervous system before these things happen mm-hmm. or right when these things happen yeah. but he has to practice it earlier and do that work earlier yeah. otherwise he's screwed in the moment so mm-hmm. I would get him out of there yeah. and I would also yeah. um, say practice in the in the good moments yeah so if he can be thinking okay my son is brushing his teeth and he kind of gives me one of these instead of full-blown attack. That's, that's his chance to practice mm-hmm. engaging with a little bit of humor, engaging respectfully. Oh, you, you weren't ready for me? Sorry. I'm just going to, mm-hmm. I'll be in your room waiting for you, right? The easy moments are when we can really the skills. double down and practice with our kids. And mm-hmm. sometimes we need a listening partner to be like, what are those easier moments? Yeah. When, when can I practice some of these skills that I need to be trying to implement in those tougher moments when my kid is, you know, unleashing on me, yelling, hurting right. me, hitting me, right? And these moments sound pretty kind of like zero to 100 pretty Mm -hmm. quick. But even those moments with our kids that go from zero to 100, usually there's a little bit of a lead up that maybe your partner isn't noticing yet. Mm -hmm. So when you're, you're, you know, you could tell them when our six-year-old is starting to be like, oh no, oh no, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe with the Lego or with the Lego or when you start opening the door and they look at you really mad, close the door before. Don't Mm -hmm. stand there and be like, are you brushing your teeth, right? Mm -hmm. When they're starting to do the Lego, you don't say, oh, that's no big deal. Maybe part of it in the interaction Mm -hmm. is uh, kind of um, increasing the stress, so to speak. And maybe he could be, you know, mitigating it or intervening or being a little more aware or even just for himself and knowing this could be toothbrushing end of the day. I need to take some deep breaths and be very patient with this child. Mm -hmm. Set loving boundaries. I can't let you hit me right? Maybe this partner doesn't know how to defend themselves, mm-hmm. right? And really lovingly say, I'm not going to let you hit me. You're, you're wanting to hit. You're upset. I'm really sorry that this is happening. Mm-hmm. I'm going to help you, right? How can you engage your partner with mm-hmm. a six-year-old and saying, how can I be that strong, that strong person yeah. in those moments rather than feeling like a victim? I know your partner might be feeling like a child inside in those moments. Even though he's standing next to a tiny little half-brain six-year-old. Right. It's so hard to get that perspective in the moment yeah. when we're when we're hijacked yeah. by our bodies and our nervous systems. Thank you for writing about that. I think it's yeah. a really common situation where we're on it and then our partners are like, they're just a little behind. They're just not doing that same work all the time. Mm-hmm. So someone said they just bought How to Stop Losing Your Shit. Great. Yeah. Someone else said they had their our mantras and um, phrases put up at eye level around their house, and that that's been oh. helping. That's great. I'm that's so glad. So yeah, those are all available in our shop 
at upbringing.co. We've got lots of those. Like, what do I say in the moment? Mm-hmm. What am I thinking in the moment? Okay, screen time. What are the things that you <laughs> should be channeling? What are the things I could be saying? Oh, sibling conflict. Okay, what can I be thinking? How can I be gaming up for my time with my siblings together? What are yeah. those things that I want to say instead of, why? Stop. Right. Go to your room. And they can maybe be helpful for this partner as well. Mm-hmm. So when he... What is a phrase he feels comfortable or confident saying when his six-year-old son goes to attack him? What can he be saying that can help his son to calm mm-hmm. down and help him to stay calm as well? Yeah. Thinking about that stuff. We, we often say, and this comes up in a lot of our Spirited Kids clubs too, okay. So if, okay. if the only thing you say, even if you're feeling stressed and you want to yell mm-hmm. and scream and hit back, is just, Okay. Okay, okay. And I think okay, honey. Because okay. because it is a positive affirmation, all of a sudden it informs our tone. Mm-hmm. We're not when we say no or stop, it, it's it negative and it escalates it, yeah. right? I remember going on a, a bob walk with my daughter when she was she must have been maybe two, it was before I had my son, and and she asked me a handful of questions, and I think I was trying to listen to a podcast, and she said something like, Do you know, do you know what, mom? And I said, What? And she answered, and then she asked me another question, Mama. And I said, What? And she asked me another question. I said, What? What? And it got more and more. What? 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 And I realized, I was like, Why did that just derail? I ended up yelling at her, like, Just listen to your story. I'm trying to listen to my story, or whatever it was. (laughs) And I realized it's because usually when she'd say, Mama, I'd say, Yes. And just the word yes or the word okay in a moment of conflict compared to what totally changes the Mm -hmm. chemistry in your brain for the way you will approach it. So sometimes we say, forget words, fuck words, just focus on your, what you're exuding, focus on breathing. But if you're going to choose one word, let it be something like yes or okay, because that's going to help you. Mm -hmm. It's going to inform your tone. It's going to inform your self-regulation. It's going to do so much for you. So find your one word. Mm Right? right, it's going to help keep you in a positive space to approach things and make them better and not worse, and hopefully help your child too, for sure. You know, whether directly or indirectly. We have another question here. It says, "Hi, Hannah and Kelty. I'm really struggling today. My two and a half year old's been struggling lately. Started a new school and got ear infections, which he's recovering from. So those are stressors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, lately, when he's wanting attention or just having a hard time, he throws all of his toys and a lot of time at me." I bent down to gently stop him a few weeks ago and was too late. His toy collided with my nose, cut it, and I was bleeding pretty badly. Mm. Today, after running through resist approach again and coming up with a game plan for things he can do when he's starting to feel like throwing, he threw more toys at me. I told him if he threw again, he would have to put up all his toys that weren't soft because he seemed like he was struggling too much with hard toys, which can hurt people and damage things. All hard toys are put away. He's so mad and doesn't want to be near me. It's mm-hmm. so hard. Did I do the right thing? I just don't know what else to do. I think you did the right thing mm-hmm. in putting toys away that can harm you or other things. Mm-hmm. When our kids show us that based on their development, based on their stress, based on their stress language, mm-hmm. how they express their stress, you alluded to his ear infections in school. So this kid's stressed, mm-hmm. right? He's going to do what's developmentally normal, which is throwing shit. Mm-hmm. Two and a half year olds will throw shit. So I think you did the right thing by putting the toys away for a while, right? If you can't control him throwing the toys, then you have to help him help himself, right? But I think how you went about talking to uh, the situation with him could use a little bit of finesse. And Mm -hmm. that's the hard gray area where we're like, what I do might be right, but how do I go about engaging with why I did it 
with my yeah. child. That's think, the hard part. I think part. part of it is throwing away or hiding all of the sharp toys. That's probably a lot of stuff. And mm. you're right, Hannah. It might have yeah. been done in a like, well, now the sharp toys have to go away because you can't play with them responsibly. And like kind of like a consequence. It feels like a consequence a, a little punishment. bit, even if it wasn't necessarily meant that way. It felt like a natural consequence. That's what we're <clears throat> striving for in our parenting is to say, what is the natural consequence of they keep throwing this glass that it might break. So right. sometimes the natural consequence is it breaks. But if we want to put a boundary up, if we want to preserve the glass, because we want the glass to be preserved, then the, the natural consequence is the glass goes bye bye. Right. You don't get right. access to that glass anymore. Mm-hmm. And the learning experience for our kids is only that that goes away. It doesn't have to be more than that. It doesn't have to be any shame involvement. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be like, well, you did this, so now this is gone. Mm-hmm. It, the learn that's that's where emotional stress heightens actually for our kids so we want it with two and a half year old who's throwing things Mm -hmm. and and developmentally normally when they're stressed out we have to just say this is the situation keep it uh maybe temporal Mm -hmm. i'm gonna take this away for now or right now it's tricky yeah it's so hard i feel like he's in a stage so like you said hannah two and a half year olds want to throw shit when they're when they're upset and they're frustrated and they're dysregulated, mm-hmm. that's their go-to. So when they're a year old, they wig out like this. Some people's babies flail don't even on the do ground. this. They flail. When they're two and a half, they start throwing. Maybe they or start kicking. biting or kicking. Right. When they're four, they rage. Mm-hmm. They climb things. They break things. They hit a lot. When they're five, maybe they run away and slam doors. Right. When they're six, they start saying, "I hate you. You're terrible. You're the worst mommy. mom ever." When they're eight right. or ten, they're eye rolling. Maybe they're, they're saying a little snarky thing back. Sure. Maybe throughout all of those ages, they're hurting their siblings. Right. Right. There's, everyone has their stress language through through development, yeah. and I think as opposed to trying to focus on the con- on the consequence, the natural consequence. So all the sharp toys, all the hard toys need to go away because I got hit in the face, which sucks. I'm so sorry so if we didn't sorry. acknowledge that. That's so hard. I would really, in moments of dysregulation, it's two and a half year old. I would pick up the two and a half year old and I would help them outside, or I would help them to their bedroom, mm-hmm. or I would start clearing the toys away. Right. That's what I would do. Or I would move my own body away and say, they're throwing, they're, they're in launch mode. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take a little break myself, a yeah. few deep breaths and come back and help come yeah. back and try the resist approach again. Right. Maybe when they go to sleep that night, I might get rid of a few of those like super sharp toys. Just We're like, to, I really don't want that one in the face. In a preventative measure, right? You know? But yeah. I think that often uh, it's such a great idea to say, this, here's this natural consequence. It looks like you're not ready to play with those scissors yet because they're too sharp. You mm-hmm. stabbed the cat, whatever it is. So those scissors have to go away until you're ready. But how are they supposed to be ready? And how are they still learn? To be ready until they do this over and over and over yeah. again? And we're not saying give quote unquote the scissors back every mm-hmm. time, but th- thinking. Those toys are meant for playing. Mm-hmm. They're not sharp scissors. They're not a lawnmower. They're not mm-hmm. something that inherently they're dangerous. inherently dangerous. Right? Yeah, I think what it really calls us into do with, I think is so hard when it's not a baby anymore, mm-hmm. but it's a toddler that still requires us. And even older kids require mm-hmm. us to be so close mm-hmm. and to notice things brewing ahead of time and to intervene mm-hmm. and support our kids earlier. And I think it's easy when they're crying. We are there in two seconds. Mm-hmm. But when our kid is raging, we were like, what the fuck? This is wrong. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. And we're like, la, 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 with all of it building up. And then they throw something and that's when we come yeah. over. And I think this you parent know. said they were trying to run the resist approach during some dysregulation. Yeah. I think sometimes that's they're beyond. That's, mm-hmm. It's too late, right? We use the resist approach when our kids are resisting something. When In those early stages where they're still a little bit receptive, mm-hmm to feedback, to cooperation and collaboration, right? 
Mm-hmm. And if, that, if that's not going to happen because they're too angry and too upset, we go into de-escalation mode, right? Mm-hmm. We basically hit, hit respect, respect them for their own feelings, for their own choices, for their needs, all the invisible things we can't see. We think about the ways we could shore up the environment, the timing, all the stuff, feed them earlier, whatever the thing is. Then we hit empathy mode where we say, you're really frustrated about that or you're struggling or you're feeling uncomfortable. And we stay in empathy mode until they're regulated enough to get to sync up, but I can't let you throw that toy or innovate. What can we do to move you somewhere else? Or how can we fix that Lego or that thing that frustrated you, whatever it is. Empathy mode can sometimes be the whole experience. Keeping them safe and de-escalating And them. validating. <clears throat> and I think it's just yeah. so great that this parent realizes that there's a lot more stress at, at play for this mm-hmm. child and that they're just losing their shit more often. Mm-hmm. All of us lose our shit more often when we're under stress with a new school, with yeah. ear infections and medical situations. I am the biggest bitch when my back is hurting. Mm-hmm. I am so irritable. I lose my shit so much faster. And that's not saying your child, it just let them throw shit at you, right? Mm-hmm. It's saying continue to acknowledge that they're doing the best they can all the time and that there are going to be moments where they need you to dive in a little more often than maybe you have been mm-hmm. in the past and to help them see this through mm-hmm. this time period, right? Where they're stressed, their window of tolerance yeah. is a lot smaller. Usually they can handle things a little longer. Yeah. So it asks us to, to notice those early yeah. signs, to dive in there mm-hmm. and support Right to keep it safe and let the, if they're yeah. mad at us, that's okay. Yeah, and then to process later. I think often, like the way that I would have gone about it, if I'd gotten hit in the face. Obviously, I can't. I can only speak to experiences that I've had where I've been hit in the face or something's been thrown at me. So like triggering. I have this huge bruise on my arm that's almost gone from a rope burn <laughs> for my four-year-old son. That was just oh, and um, a croquet mallet also. thing right next to it. Yeah. Um, and so I, I recognize the feeling and I can relate to that feeling of just being like, what the fuck? Why are they attacking me? Like this can't happen. But I think in the moment we can also be thinking de-escalate and how can I move those toys or that croquet mallet? Like I threw it away. That rope's got to go. How did there end up with this like thick white rope in my living room? Mm-hmm. Where did this come from? Right. And that doesn't have to be something that we necessarily tell our kids and rub so their faces has to it. go. Yeah. So now we're carting away all these sharp objects. I know you love this one. Sorry. That's going in there too. It's got to go until you're ready. Right. I think we can be a little chiller and be like, you were doing you, that hurt. Mm-hmm. And then outside the moment, behind the scenes, we can be tucking away those things that, that we're like, oh, I didn't realize that that was a murder object until it came at me. Right? Now, now I know. Now we know, right? Our kids yeah. don't have to be wiser about the impulses they're not aware of yet. We get to be wiser about those yeah. things and, and prevent those things from happening and then show up the best we can in the moment, right? Yeah. But we can't always preempt it. And that's no. why... Thinking back on those moments that we just want to sweep under the rug or be like, ah, la, 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 or just never mention again. Those are all the things that hopefully with some bravery, with a good listening partner or supportive um, person in our lives, we can be like, oh my God, that shit that went down earlier. Like, what can we do next time to prevent it? Okay. Sometimes that's removing sharp objects or hard toys or weapons or things you didn't realize were a weapon and became a weapon. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's just how can I show up in a different way, right? Mm-hmm. 
That's the work. I mean, that's a spirited and sensitive kid situation too, where you're like blessed, cursed, blessed, mm-hmm. cursed, because I think they, they really keep you on your toes. They make you have to learn so much patience, so much awareness, so much innovation, mm-hmm. all these fucking awesome skills that are going to, they're like, it's like true adulting, what they like push you to do, right? <laughs> I was thinking about it today because we went to this bagel shop and my husband went in with the kids because I was reading something and they came back and they were like, oh my God, the line was out the door. It was crazy. Good thing we called our order in and I, and I was thinking like, oh my gosh, we only called our order in because we know what our kids are like going to wait in line somewhere and having to yeah. wait for food and having to do that. Like they throw tantrums, they hurt us, they get mad. It's a nightmare for everyone. So we got our food faster than everyone else because we knew that about our kids, because mm-hmm. our kids put us th- through the ringer a couple times. But it just begs the question, like what can we be learning from these challenges? How can we be growing? How can we be making things simpler, <clears throat> more connective, Get your bagel faster, mm-hmm. like at least, yeah. right? At the very least. Someone said, I'm having trouble with siblings fighting. I've purchased the guide. When I get everyone feeling safe and stop the physical fighting, they just aren't ready to move on and they just keep fighting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sounds like they're still just dysregulated. They're still struggling. They're still needing support, not ideas, not plans for next time, mm-hmm. not who's going to share with who space. or whatever. They need space yeah. to calm their bodies. And I think. Sometimes with kids, they can be in the same space with one another Mm -hmm. and both get calm. It all depends on the nervous systems, right? Other kids, they really need a little bit of space alone. It's like, I can't look at her. Right. I can't just see Being here and seeing that blue Lego still, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm never going to fucking calm down, Mm -hmm. right? And so we have to notice what our kids are telling us. And it's so great you're noticing what your kids are telling you, that it takes them a while to calm down when a situation happens. And so figuring out, okay, am I going to help the younger one come away with me because that's the easier way to go about de-escalating. Mm-hmm. Am I going to engage the older one? Wink, wink, time to get out of here. Or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is to get the older one. Or, Can we set up a plan of action where there's a little more predictability about when these things happen, mm-hmm. where we don't usually want to separate our siblings when there's learning that can happen, but you're saying the learning can't happen. So yeah. Or yeah. just sit in the shit. Yeah. Like, oh, we would love our kids fighting to just be resolved when we're ready for it to be resolved. Yeah. I'm like, well, I hit my five minutes. I'm ready for this to be wrapped up with a big <clears> red bow. empathizing so hard. Oh. And that's when we yeah. realize I'm tapped out. So we're like, partner, mama, papa, get in here. Somebody fucking save me. I need a break. Mm-hmm. Or we say, I'm going to take a couple deep breaths in the other room. I'll be back in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Or I need to pick one of you up and take you with me because I'm about to unleash mm-hmm. on everyone. I'm wondering right. too what fighting means. I think sometimes Maybe they like, keep we need to like intervene because they are saying such like like mm-hmm. wild things to each other or they're just torturing each other and one of them's whining. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're not actually like causing serious harm, we can go calm down somewhere and then come yeah. back. We or, can leave them and see yeah. how it plays out a little and then mm-hmm. come back to it. Sometimes mm-hmm. they actually have to kind of complete the cycle of fighting to kind of move that's through. That's, that's part yeah. of the self-regulation process. That's what I'm if we can't to, yeah. get them out somewhere to de-escalate and, 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 and co-regulate with us, or kind of redirect them to like, let's go jump on the trampoline. Let's go do jumping jack. Let's punch these pillows, right? Let's turn this into a dance party, whatever. Mm-hmm. Then maybe they actually do need to fight their way through it a little bit. And that sounds really radical. People are like, oh God, that's like, that's condoning their, yeah. their, their violence with no, words No, she says they're still whatever. causing physical harm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. So yeah. keep everyone safe. Try to keep them, them apart space-wise. Yeah. And then just click into neutral do your downshift where you're like and you just go Mm -hmm. you wanted to hit her Mm -hmm. how are you doing okay and just imagine like like how my therapist is with me and my husband at this point she's probably so fucking bored she's just like oh can we be bored when our kids are trying to kill each other therapists (laughs) 
<laughs> no, but that's really what it is. It's like yeah. unplugging. Like yeah. you used to picture like being a machine that's like unplugged and go, mm-hmm. and where you're just being like, otherwise yes, I was shooting this. fucking sparks everywhere yeah. at everybody. And I was just escalating these situations. So I think uh, acknowledging and being aware of our own capacity mm-hmm. as parents to support our kids is kind of the name of the game. Yeah. Someone yeah. put a little question sticker. It says, I don't know how to explain, but I'll try. I'm now six months pregnant and notice that my mother wants to have even more control over me, like an old coping repeating itself. Mm. Um, how can I consciously not pass the coping on to my own daughter? Oh, what a beautiful question. I love this question. We talk about this in several aspects of our Right From The Start Baby course, which closes tomorrow. It's about the first year and beyond, kind of getting it right. Right is an interesting term, but right for you, discovering mm-hmm. and attuning to yourself as a parent, to your baby, to your mother-in-law or mother that's driving you fucking crazy, right? what you mean by coping, like I, kind of codependency stuff or like... yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. I think that just control, I think that old coping yeah. repeating itself. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, we, we're all dealing with our own codependency wounds. And I think reading mm-hmm. up on that a little bit, typing mm-hmm. in like codependency to Instagram or to Google or Amazon mm-hmm. and looking for some books. I love the codependency triangle book. I'm blanking on the, is it, I, I can't it's remember It's like nonviolent communication. 411 or whatever. I can't remember, but we'll put some stuff in the show notes. Or but maybe she's talking but about, I think just talking about needs yeah. and boundaries and getting really clear. I think oftentimes we're like, we're doing okay. We got the wild mm-hmm. moms and the wild people, but then we have a baby and we're mm-hmm. like, oh my God, is it their needs or mine? Is it mm-hmm. their needs or mine? Oh my gosh, this is really over. I guess codependency, they said, this is really overwhelming. I always mm-hmm. want to serve them, serve them, serve them, serve them. And then I get resentful and I freak out. Mm-hmm. And I think so much about this. It's in some ways it's a, it's a blessing. And a lot of folks who are in our right from the start community identify as codependents they're already doing the work Mm -hmm. on their parents right as children themselves and that's really helping them move into their role as parents and working with their babies right from the start to say you're not responsible for my feelings you're not responsible for my sense of success or value or Mm self-worth i already feel that way because of my parent who is doing the best they could and i'm not going to perpetuate that that cycle yeah right? and I think that's really what it's about I love yeah. that this this person's pregnant and already thinking yeah. how can I be breaking these legacies yeah. how can I be breaking <clears throat> these these habits how can I be building skills beyond what my parents were able to give me or what did irk me or what doesn't align with my values or what has started yeah. is gonna maybe feel like shit implementing with my kid or what yeah. didn't feel good to me mm-hmm. just start thinking about all that stuff because yeah. it's gonna pop up well, it's going to come at you right. eventually. And this is the shit that's not on our registries. And mm-hmm. we pointed this out on our Instagram this yeah. week saying, what's on our registries is cute baby shit, wooden toys and onesies and nursery stuff and mm-hmm. beautiful strollers and a million boppies. And what we really need is therapy to mm-hmm. process the shit that happened to us as kids so that we can show up as best we can as the adult in the relationship with our mm-hmm. child. It's so much about that. If, if, and, if and when you can not necessarily work on this codependency situation with your mom directly, parents aren't always able to engage, Mm -hmm. right? But to work on it yourself with the help of a therapist, with reading, with Mm self-reflection, to start saying, I'm going to set some boundaries with you. I'm going to learn how to feel comfortable and confident doing that. Mm -hmm. That's what we talk about in the course in the all about you section. That's going to help you with parenthood in general, right? With life in general, with partners, with friends, with coworkers. It, It is the most important investment, I think, in, in successful relationships yeah. is knowing boundaries and being confident in setting them. Yeah. And that inner our, wisdom and authority. I feel like right? it's the two things. It's needs and boundaries. Yeah. And that's what our kids are saying. I need this. And they're saying when they resist us, or yeah. saying no, they're putting up a boundary. Yeah. 
And then that asks us to say, what are we needing? Right. What are our boundaries? Right. And to understand right. why we have so much trouble doing that, right? Yeah. We were never said the way you feel, like how you're showing up, right, is okay, right? We've never said, oh, you have an inner wisdom. Let's honor that. Oh, you have an inner authority. I'm going to notice that, mm-hmm. right? So we're cultivating all of these things right now as we're seeing them in our kids, mm-hmm. as our kids are so sure about what they need and they're so sure about how to get it, mm-hmm. right? We get that opportunity to be noticing what we need and feeling permission to go after what we want as well. Right. It's such a balance. It's such a a tricky juggling act. And we're grateful that you're here with us. We're grateful you're, you're trying to grow up alongside your kids with us. That's, that's the practice. That's why we're here. Um, this has been a really fun session. Everyone check out our right from the start baby course enrollment closes tomorrow. Check out our spirited kids club. August enrollment is open for that small group coaching where we can just actually hash through this stuff with each of you more, um, kind of connectively and more affordably than one-on-one coaching too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And we'll see you all next week. See you next week. Yeah. DM your questions if anything's popping up or if you're struggling in any way. Right. We're all in this together. We're all growing up together. You're doing an amazing job. You should be proud of yourself. Mm -hmm. We're so grateful you're here. Thank you so much. See you all soon. See you soon.